1: Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month.
0: Deep left field. It's gonna go! Alvarez ties the game!
1: Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.
2: I'll tell you, I am fired up today, Michelle, because how about them Bears? I'm gonna put my Bears gear on here, huh? I haven't eaten all day to make room for that steak you owe
1: me, buddy. It is game day, friends. Bears week one tonight against the Los Angeles Rams in L.A. Their big, beautiful new stadium that was totally not in the works for like 10 years. Just out of nowhere, they built this stadium and got a new team. Um, Bears are an underdog in the game tonight. We're going to talk to Hub Arkish here shortly. You are listening to The Score and we broadcast live From the SCORE Hyundai Studios, brought to you by your local Hyundai dealers, I'm Chris Ranji, and we are joined now by Hub Arkish. He is a SCORE football analyst and expert, and he is with us now on 670 The SCORE. Happy game day, Hub.
2: Thank you, Chris. It feels like uh, this has been building for about 22 years, but it's time to get this (laughs) season underway,
1: so (laughs) we're ready to go. It does kind of feel that way, doesn't it? Like, and I don't know if it's just the, the Justin Fields excitement. And it, as soon as that happened in the draft, it was like, okay, this season can't start soon enough because as soon as the season starts, we're one day closer to him being a starter for the Bears. Obviously, that's not going to happen right away. What are your overall thoughts about the way this is being handled by the Bears?
2: Well, just a quick aside with that is how weird it is that not only has it been all about Justin Fields and all excitement, it seems like forever. Remember that uh, press conference on the Wednesday after the last game of the season when all of Bears Nation thought that the end had finally come? You know, I've it, it yeah. never seen the mood around this football team. Uh, as despondent as it was coming out of that train wreck of a presser. And, uh, you know, then they, they get to free agency, and, and the Andy Dalton signing certainly wasn't overly popular. <laughs> and then you make the Justin Fields pick, and now it just seems like we've been planning and preparing for this our whole lives, and everybody can't wait, you know. And uh, I, I think the rest of it has all been silly, to be honest with you, Chris. I, I, you know, you do have uh, over 100 years of history for a reason. We We know what they say about fake folks who, you know, Fail to learn from history and the reality is that you know 90 percent of these quarterbacks taken in the first round don't make it they, they're busts uh, you know some of them play for a while some of them never really become starters most of them never get to the second contract uh you know with the team that drafts them i've quoted this number on the air a lot but uh did a lot of research on it over the last few years and just in the last 11 seasons the 32 quarterbacks taken with top 15 picks in the draft, uh, only three of them have actually made it. Most Hmm. of them, I I can't even, I think only five of them have made it to a second contract with the team that drafted them. So, you know, usually it's over in the first three, four years. Uh, Now, I think Justin Fields is an exceptional prospect. I think he's going to be a great quarterback, but every one of those 32 kids was taken with a top 15 pick because that's what somebody thought about him, you know? So this idea that this is the guy who has to start day one. And, and, and how, how could anybody think of anything differently? Well, the reality is that we know one of the main reasons that so many of these kids don't make it is because they put them on the field too soon. And, and Justin Fields uh, does look more ready than most I've seen. But the part that everybody misses on this is he did not outplay Andy Dalton during the preseason. I mean, that's that's the misnomer that he he, he was so great that you can't keep him off the field. No, that's not what happened. He, he showed a lot of the special traits that have everybody excited, but uh, like every other rookie, he's never been on the field yet against an NFL first team defense, and, and, and the best thing that you can do for him is give him a little time, uh, you know, keep the pressure off, and, and you know, if you put him out there day one, and he doesn't become the instant all-pro that everybody hopes, the pressure starts to build immediately. The longer he doesn't have to go out there, the less pressure on him when he does go out there. And, you know, one thing about Andy Dalton, I'm I'm not a fan. I didn't like the signing, but he's he's a highly qualified game manager. You know, he he has started 142 games in the NFL. He has a winning record. He took five straight teams to the playoffs his first five years in the the league. So you you could do worse. And and so, no, I think the Bears have handled this exactly right. And, And I don't understand you know what all the, the the tumult is about, but you know I, I guess that's just part of the NFL.
1: Well, well Hub, uh, well I think what the tumult's about when it comes to this franchise and this fan base, and you know this better than anybody, it's just that everybody is starved for a really legitimately great quarterback because they never really had one, and that's and that's what this is all about. So, I and and I have totally conceded the idea. That maybe it's it is okay for him to not start right away. Um, I understand why people want him to get out there right away. I was watching uh, Kurt Warner, who has been breaking down all the young quarterbacks, and he you know showing video and then uh, talking about them. And he mentioned all the good stuff that Fields does, and then he mentioned some stuff that he has trouble with. You know, diagnosing pressures and sometimes not being able to, to read coverage ahead of time, though there's a lot of times he does it well. There are some times he lacks in that. How soon does something like that come for a player who doesn't get to start right away or doesn't get to play? Is that is that a thing that can happen for them, being a guy on the sideline?
2: Yeah, well, a couple of things there, Chris. First of all, to, to your your opening statement or whatever I want to call it, you're absolutely right. I do understand you, you know, yeah. why Bears Nation wants this so badly. Uh, and then it's interesting, the guy you chose. Kurt uh, has actually become a friend, and we broadcast games together at Westwood One over the last you know, four or five years. And, and I've had a couple long, interesting quarterback conversations with him, one in particular in New Orleans, not last year but the year before, because, of course, we weren't on the road last year. But it was actually late in the season. It was the night that Drew Brees set the NFL touchdown pass record before Tom Brady came back and broke it. Um, so, um, you know... The, the answer is yes, it can come on the sidelines. The, the first part of it does come on the sidelines. There are still more things for him to experience before there's any reason to hope that he's going to improve at it. Uh, uh, you know, there, there, there are little things like uh, one of the things that it wasn't Matt Nagy, it was Bill Lazor, the offensive coordinator, was talking about a couple of weeks ago, and he wasn't using this in reference to Justin Fields uh, so much in talking about what these first experiences are. But they got him out there in the first preseason game, and he had never been through the process of coming off the field and going right to his coaches with the, the uh, they use iPads now. Uh, you know, but it used to be the Polaroids or whatever. and three or four people trying to analyze him at once and discuss what what he saw and what he didn't see. Um, and, and he you know he wasn't lost, but you know, it was new for him, and he wasn't responding to it quickly. Now, in a regular season game, whether he's playing or not, you're gonna do that after every set of downs. He's gonna get experience at that. He also, from the sidelines, will see these coverages in real time. He will see how quickly these NFL players close on the football. He's gonna see a lot. And, and it just depends on who the, who the player is. But the most important answer to your question is, is, is can it help and how long can it take? Well, that's the problem. For some guys, they never get it. You, you know, I mean, the, the reason that most of these kids fail is mental it's not physical and it's not because they're lacking mentally it's not because they're dumb it's not because they can't see it it's just it's the muscle memory and the reaction time and the processing these defenses and the speed at which it moves and that's the part that that you know you don't know on day one and then when we say how long does it take to learn depends on who it is you know i mean we don't we'll never know what would have happened to patrick mahomes if he hadn't sat out his entire rookie year Uh, you know, Aaron Rodgers sat three years, Tom Brady, Drew Brees, they all sat over a year. You know, the only really good ones I can think of who did start from day one as rookies are Russell Wilson and Ben Roethlisberger. Um, and, and for those two, you know, I can give you 20 can't miss guys who never made it.
1: Hub Arkish on the guest hotline brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. And one of the questions, that I think is is important to know the answer to is whether Matt Nagy is making this decision based on where he thinks Fields actually is at this point or if it's, hey, I saw what happened in Kansas City with Mahomes and he sat out and that benefited him, therefore that's how this is going to have to be with Justin Fields. Do you think the decision is made on that or is this solely... About where they legitimately believe Field's uh, progress is?
2: Well, you know, Chris, I, I, it's kind of what I said at the top. I, first of all, it's not just his decision. It's him and Ryan Pace working together. Yep. Um, and And secondly, I think it's made on a hundred years of NFL history. you, you know, not just uh, again, on one guy or one situation, you know, they are as aware as as us and everybody else. As to how starved, you know, their fan base is for this quarterback and for this kid, and, and they're also very aware of what happened with Mitch Trubisky. Now look at Mitch. You know, he he wasn't going to start either. It was Mike Glennon's year. Blah blah blah. Um, it took three and a half games. You, you know, and, and then Mitch was on the field, and that first year was going to be that throwaway learning experience. So he got experience, came back, and had a Pro Bowl season his second year in the league. But he, he, he developed to a point and never went beyond it, you know, and, and they put him out there trying to protect him and doing a lot of game manager stuff and, and not opening up the playbook. And we never knew if it was because he didn't get it or they didn't give it to him, but we do know how it ended. And, and, and so, you know, then you've got the Patrick Mahomes experience, which went so well. Now you you, you got to put all the details in, though. One of the reasons it went so well is because they had Alex Smith you know, playing at a Pro Bowl level and taking that team to a 10 and 6 wild card record, and and getting into the playoffs, and they should have won a playoff game if not for, you know, quite frankly, some strange second half play calling <laughs> against the Titans. It's not clear whether that was Nagy or Reed making a lot of those calls, but they took the the, the running game away and. You know, next thing you knew, the offense came apart, but that's a different story for a different time. So um, I, I think they just believe that this is the best way to develop him. and and you know the reason it's so hard to answer the question is because if they go to him week three or week four, then then we'll know, you know, they agreed, but they just wanted to give him you know a reasonable stepping off point. Now, if he doesn't get the starting job for the better part of this year, then we'll know that that was the plan all along, and then maybe the Mahomes experience did have more impact on it. But this is the other thing that's been so frustrating trying to report on and, and cover this story: is nobody wants to wait for any facts. You know, so we gotta <laughs> we, we gotta see what's going to happen tonight. We gotta see what's happened in the next few weeks, and then we'll have a better idea of what the complete plan really was.
1: How bad is the Eddie Goldman injury?
2: No idea. Uh, you know, nobody knew about it until uh really it was uh, i guess was it monday or wednesday when he wasn't on the practice field it was a weird week with the practice schedule it was wednesday um, yeah it was well yeah, yeah. it was wednesday because matt he got said, hurt monday yeah. exactly matt said he did it in practice on monday and, and you know we haven't seen him since so you know sometimes these guys when they're not working and they're not in practice are still out there uh you know watching coaching being part of the team Uh, Goldman was not back on the field after Monday, and so there's just no way to know. I mean, he could be walking around in a monster knee brace, Uh, he could have no limp at all, you just can't guess. And we don't know, it was originally reported on the injury list as knee and and ankle. Uh, Matt did on Thursday say, no, it's not the ankle, it's the knee, but that's everything we know about it. I mean, you know, whether it's a a ligament's uh, tear, whether it's a cartilage tear, whether it's just a strain, absolutely have no idea.
1: And and this was a team last year that defensively was, you know, they, they weren't quite as good as they were a couple of years prior, but they were still a good defensive team, but they missed him. And it, and it was obvious they missed him. If he's not available for them this season, how much does it change a defense that we already are not exactly sure what they're going to be?
2: Well, it's a factor. Um, you know, I, 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 I'm not, I'm assuming it's not a season thing. I mean, that kind of stuff leaks out. Uh, a lot quicker than, than the more likely you know day to day strain. I don't, it was never day to day. I don't think we were told the truth about that because you know if you're day to day, you can at least go out and watch practice. Um, uh so again without knowing i'm not gonna talk about the season but i do know that he's one of the better nose tackles in the nfl and and even seeing him for a few minutes in exhibition games you saw him just swallowing up double teams and making plays and uh the bears are actually very good up front and 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 they're relatively deep below nichols second half of the year last year started to flash all over the place And, and and this is a young man who we knew had a high ceiling coming from a very small school uh, but he's not a nose tackle. He's much better either in a 40 front at one of the tackle spots, the, what they call the nose, but it's different than the nose tackle in the 30, um, or really more of an under tackle or an anchor tackle or a five technique. So, um, And then in Akeem Hicks, you got a guy who's you know an all-pro on the other end. But, but putting the right guy in the middle is the key. Uh, Angelo Blackson, who they signed as a free agent this year, can do it. It's not his natural position. The, I'll tell you, the, guy, the only other guy on the team whose natural position it is, is Kairos Tonga. You know? And so now you're talking about a seventh round draft pick uh, who's probably going to get significant snaps tonight. You know, We don't know exactly how they're going to do this, um, but he's clearly part of the equation. And so you know, now we're talking about a rookie that we haven't seen. Looked pretty impressive out there in camp. Uh, so Eddie Goldman is a, is a serious loss. You're right. I mean, they've been a top 10 defense all the last three years, but they were number one three years ago and, and, and they, they, they were almost impossible to run on with Goldman out there. And when he's not there, it does open up the running game a little bit. It's not a, uh, you know, a season ender for a team that, that comes with four all pros on it on defense, uh. Uh, all of them, you know, 30-somethings, which worries you a little bit. Uh, but you know, we gotta just wait and see. Um, it's a significant loss, but I don't think it's the kind of loss that you say, "Oh, well, there goes the defense."
1: Hub, where is this offensive line, in your opinion? They've got the addition of Jason Peters. Um, you know, there, there were a couple of guys last year when they moved into different roles that made the line better later in the season. Um, but that's also kind of a a unit I think we're all unsure about it Uh, where are you well Chris
2: I I think they're they're actually pretty good on the interior of the offensive line guard center guard Um, there's a lot of teams that would like to have Cody White here and James Daniels as their starting guards and Sam Mustafer is is a starting NFL center now I don't know that he's ever going to be uh, a pro bowler or, or, or a guy that, you know, you talk about as special, um, but you don't really need to be at center as long as you're, you know, able to, to make the plays and more importantly make the calls and be the leader of that group. And they say that he is exceptional at that. And then with Alex Barrs behind them able to play any of those positions, uh, and then of course Whitehair and Daniels are both, you know, centers and guards, so, so they're fine inside. The tackles, we have no idea. Uh, You you know, I I believe that Jason Peters, if he is 85 or 90% of what he was, uh, you know, before reaching almost 40, is is definitely an upgrade over Charles Leno, but we don't know if he is that. And, And I think that here again, you talk about Bears history, we look at the quarterbacks, there's other things that Bears fans remember. And when Orlando Pace got here, he was a future Hall of Famer. He was only 32. Everybody was wildly excited. And he lost the starting job by mid-season, or I think it was week 10. He just wasn't any good anymore. Jason Peters isn't that, but we just don't know, you know, conditioning, shape-wise, uh, athletically. He looks pretty good athletically out there for, for a guy who's yeah. going to be 40. Uh, you know. um, <laughs> but until, uh, until we get a few weeks under his belt, we don't know. Jermaine Effetti concerns me because while he played well at guard last year, and he did play well at right tackle the last five, six weeks of the season, he busted out trying to play right tackle in Seattle. You know He's a former first-round pick, and, and, and everybody seems to agree when you go back all the way to his initial draft uh, reports and ratings that he was more of a guard in the NFL, or, or projected better as a guard than a tackle. Seattle took him in the first round. They had injuries at tackle. They moved him out there. He played there predominantly for uh, three of the four years he was in Seattle, two of them at right tackle. And he led the league in penalties and wasn't very good. And Seattle didn't want him back. And that's why the Bears were able to get him, you know, reasonably priced. But the Bears told us when they signed him, we believe his problems have been that he's a guard, not a tackle. And, 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 you know, so now (laughs) they're selling him as a right tackle. And, you know, offensive line coach Juan Castillo is predicting he's going to go to the Pro Bowl, um, which some of that's just, you know, preseason talk. Um, but I haven't seen it, you know, so, um, I think that they are very scary right now at the tackles. They'll be fine inside, but obviously you need all five to be a good offensive line.
1: Before we let you go, Hub, um, what will you consider to be knowing this team is kind of in a transition here in a way? Um, what will you consider to be a successful season for them?
2: Well, you know, Chris, that's an interesting way to put it because they're obviously in a transition at quarterback. But, but yeah. as far as the rest of them, their window's closing. Uh, you know, they, they have not started a transition yet. They want to try and win with all these 30-somethings. Um, you know, it's funny. There was a story, I guess, this week that came out. there, the oldest team in the NFL. Well, when you take the 32-53 the man rosters and you just do averages, they are the average age oldest team in the league by, you know, a hundredth of a year or whatever it may be, but that's skewed. You know, when you've got a 39 year old tackle and 34 year old quarterbacks and tight ends and whatever, they got four or five guys who are really old and it makes it look bad, but, um, but they're not, you know, this isn't a, a team that has enough talent to say you can build around the young core. Uh, you know, they've got some pretty good young players on both sides of the ball but I think they have to contend this year. You know, that's what they're trying to do to get back to the playoffs. Uh, we, we keep forgetting, and everybody wants to not count last year as if it didn't really happen. Um, but they have been to the playoffs two of the last three years. The, you know, Nagy and Pace do have a winning record together, and, and that's why they're still here Um but if they don't contend for a playoff spot this year for the NFC North title, then there is going to be massive change. And, and so since that's obviously the plan, the only thing I can view as a success is if they win, you know, 10 or 11 games and get back to the playoffs. I'm not predicting that. The question was do <laughs> I think would be a success. <laughs> yeah. um, uh, and and that's, that's why there is so much, what should we call it, agita around Chicago because that's what they have to do to be successful and everybody is finding it very hard to, to see how they're going to do that.
1: I said this earlier. I love the fact that tonight's game is a night game, that it's a 720 kick, because it gives us like an extra seven hours to feel really good about the season, about the start. You know, <laughs> I love yeah, it.
2: It is. You know, Chris, but the other thing we all got to remember is, <laughs> is, is we've heard it's it's one of the you know, most used cliches in the game. It's a marathon, it's not a sprint. And and, and whatever happens tonight, it'll heat up talk, radio, and Twitter. Um, But, uh, uh, you know, I, I think if they go out and are competitive tonight, as long as they play and look like they belong with the Rams. And I'm not ruling out that they could win. They certainly could win. I think the Rams are a bit overrated, to be honest with you. You know, everybody keeps talking about the Rams' number one defense last year. They were number one in scoring defense. They were about 10th. I think they were 9th against the run and 10th against the pass or something like that, maybe 9th in yards allowed. But scoring is what matters, so I'm, I'm not belittling that but they're missing four starters in their defensive coordinator from that group. And so that doesn't really matter. You know, we don't know what the bears are going to see from that Rams defense tonight. And then you got Matt Stafford, who I like, I think it was a great trade by the Rams and I think it makes them a contender, but he's never taken a snap in a game with this team in this offense. So uh, we'll see. It should be interesting. I I think as long as they are competitive and keep it close, uh, you know, nobody's going to get too upset too soon. And should they pull the upset? That's what I really, I, I didn't pick it. I can't pick it. You got to think the Rams are the better team. So I picked the Rams. But if the Bears were to win this game, then I can't wait to see what <laughs> Bears Nation is going to do to react next. So, uh, yeah, it is exciting. I know that. And uh, I'm looking forward to it like everybody else.
1: Hub, appreciate your time this morning. Enjoy kickoff.
2: All right, Chris. Take care, man.
1: That is Hub Arkish, score football analyst and expert visiting with us here. It's week one, people. Oh, my God, Bears football tonight. It is against the Rams. And they are a 7.5-point underdog tonight, according to Bett Rivers, who actually is the official uh, sportsbook of the Chicago Bears. Download the BetRivers Rivers app today. They're sponsoring the pregame show with Molly, Olin Krutz, Patrick Manley. That's going to be on after Cubs baseball. So late this afternoon, early evening leading up to the kickoff tonight 720 Bears and Rams it is hit and run we'll get back to a little bit of baseball but look at if if you would like to weigh in on what you would consider to be a successful Bears season I would like to hear from you you can text the show at 312-644-6767 you can also call in on that very same phone number brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. It's game day, people. It's also game day for the White Sox. Game Day for the Cubs. We've got Cubs pregame show coming up at twelve forty-five. Uh they'll play at Wrigley Field this afternoon. The White Sox do have Lance Lynn coming back to start this afternoon against the Boston Red Sox. And Um, I do want to get to some of your text messages in regard to the thing you are most concerned about with this. And and these are from, uh, this wasn't even prompted. I didn't even ask you what you were more concerned about or most concerned about with this White Sox team going into the playoffs. And a number of people have already weighed in and have already told me what they need to see happen before we get to the end of the regular season. I'm Chris Ranji. This is Hit and Run on the Score. Happy opening day, people. Week one, Bears tonight in Los Angeles. Uh, you ready? I said this earlier. Look, I, I, I love the fact this time and I actually typically like night games I'm a weirdo I know I like the prime time games um well Thursday nights aren't so much fun I just don't really eh. usually the matchups kind of stink and sometimes there have been some good games on Thursday nights but by and large not really into it I love the night games though and I love it in particular tonight because it gives us several extra hours of that opening day feeling of things are great right now and things are great right now because nothing is terrible yet so i'm really into it i'm really into it i know some people want it to start at noon not today no i, I like this i like them getting started at 720 tonight with the kickoff uh in los angeles and as i mentioned do want to drive this home we're going to have you covered with a pregame show after the Cubs uh, are finished this afternoon. The pregame show with Mully, Olin, Pat Manley, brought to you by Bet Rivers, the official sports book of the Chicago Bears. Download the Bet Rivers app today. Uh, that's coming up. Then there's the postgame show as well. Mully and Pat Manley are going to be on that. Uh, brought to you by MailMedChicago.com, where a full head of hair scores every time. First things first, though. White Sox baseball this afternoon. Last night was one of those, like, yeah, you, you should have had that one kind of games. Wasn't it? it? It had that feeling. They fall behind. They're down by five runs. They come all the way back. They tie the game. Then they take the lead. Then they cough up the lead at the end of the game, have to go to extra innings, and fail to score they actually failed in a really good opportunity in the ninth inning to avoid extra innings uh unfortunately it did not go their way boston wins that game um but that did feel like one of those you gotta have that one you know you gotta have that game that's a that's one of those that you'll want back and it's not that big of a deal in the grand scheme of things for this season because this team has a crazy big lead in the division on September 12th. They're 11 games up on the next team in the division. The Cleveland Indians, who, by the way, got combined no hit last night by the Milwaukee Brewers. Um, So you're not going to have to worry about being chased down by any of those teams. Here's one thing that you might actually have to be worried about. And this has been the sentiment on the text line throughout the morning. I have had multiple people already text in, and I didn't even ask you. I didn't even ask you to tell me about the thing that worries you at the moment. But I've had multiple people say things to the effect of, last night is the kind of game you want because you want to get home field advantage as best as you possibly can in the playoffs because this team is not particularly good on the road in 2021 and you know something that is totally fair that's totally fair to be worried about that Um, this team is at guaranteed rate field 47 and 25 that's a win percentage of 65 percent. They have won 49% of their games on the road at 34 and 36. Now, while I say that's a good point, here's the thing that a lot of really good baseball teams do. They dominate their games at home, and they're decent on the road. Ideally, they have a winning record on the road, but you kind of want them to be around 500, and you know what? That's where they are. I mean, they're they're just a couple of games below five hundred, so they're right in that range. I am not all that concerned with them getting as many home games as possible. Now, I would I, I in an ideal world, I want that to happen. I don't think it's a necessity though for this team to win, to go on a deep run in the playoffs. I don't think that has to happen. Like I don't think it guarantees a deep playoff run if they end up getting that second seed in the American League and the team they have to worry about is the Houston Astros. That's the team they want to finish in front of. Tampa Bay is going to get that number 1 seed. Uh their record they're almost at 90 wins. They 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 need to win one more game to get the 90. While the White Sox are 81 and 61. Uh their record is the winning percentage is 570. Houston's is 50 uh, is 582. So Eighty-two and fifty-nine are the Astros. White Sox are eighty-one and sixty-one, so they're right there. And and yeah, I would like for them to overtake Houston for that number two seed when the playoffs start. I don't think it is a hundred percent necessary here. Just like I'm not all that worried about their record against teams that are above five hundred this year. A lot of people have been worried about that all season. That is just not the kind of thing that concerns me all that much. Because I don't think your regular season record against good teams predicts what's going to happen in the postseason. And maybe he'll disagree with me. Maybe he'll back me up on this but let's ask Mike Farron from MLB Network Radio. He is a host there, and he will join us next. We're going to talk some uh, playoff baseball. We'll talk about the White Sox and where they are and what he thinks of this team's chances as the postseason approaches. This is Hit and Run. Farron joining us next. I'm Ranji on the score. Here we go, three and two. Two on, two out, first inning. It's a fastball. 200 strikeouts for Dylan Cease. The highlight courtesy NBC Sports Chicago. Dylan Cease pitching in last night's game. Did not go well, uh, ultimately. Did not make it out of the third inning. Charged with seven runs. White Sox came back. Tied the game up. Took the lead. Gave up that lead lost in 10 innings to Boston they'll finish up their series against the Red Sox this afternoon on the south side of Chicago I'm Chris Ranji in for Matt Spiegel on the score we go to the guest hotline which is brought to you by Circa Resort and Casino in Las Vegas home of the world's largest sports book. And Mike Farron from MLB Network Radio joins us now. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike underscore Farron. Mike, uh, formerly of WGN Radio here in Chicago, he's now on the big, big stage. He is in, uh, well, he's he's national. This man's national. And he joins us now on Hit and Run. Good morning, Mike. Ranji, how are you,
0: buddy? It's been a long Hi. time.
1: I know, man. I'm feeling great, Um, you know, just watching some Chicago playoff baseball that's about to happen here. And, hey, you know this area. You know people. Yeah. You know that that they're always finding something to be worried about, sometimes legitimate, other times totally made up. As you you look at this White Sox team, what is the thing that concerns you the most, if anything?
0: Hmm. So, I mean, I think there's a couple things maybe. Um, I, I'm just kind of curious to see how fresh their starters look uh, going into the postseason. You know, I think I think they're doing I, – I think what they're doing is really smart with Rodon in trying to space out his outings, um, give him a little extra rest. Remember, it's been a long time since he's pitched a full season or close to a full season. And so, um, I think trying to make sure that he's as fresh as possible so you get as much – first half rodon is possible in the postseason is really good you know i think lance lynn coming back is a huge positive and you know i'm not really worried about lance at all and um you know i'm not really worried about the back end of the bullpen especially with you know kimbrell and Hendricks there uh maybe some of the defense um you know it's interesting cesar hernandez at least from some of the the advanced metrics of defensive run saying he's gone from being um, you know the best defensive shorts their second baseman in the American League to one of the worst um and I don't know that that necessarily like passes the eye test I always felt like Cesar Hernandez has been a pretty good defender I mean you've watched him closer than I have lately yeah. Rangers you may have an idea as to you know what's changed but that would be maybe the one thing I'm I'm really not all that worried about them I think their bigger biggest issue is that they're going to have to face Houston in the opening round and that's a good team I'll, I'll be at one with a Uh, largely inexperienced starting rotation
1: well let me ask you about houston specifically because that right now is the team that is uh would be the second seed in the playoffs and some listeners have already voiced their concerns about not getting that second seed not getting home field as much as possible how important do you think that really is and in particular maybe with this Sox team is it that important
0: yeah, I mean I, think, I mean, I think obviously your preference is always to be at home um, because, you know, you're looking for any advantage you can. But I think most of the research that's gone into home field advantage shows that it's far more significant in the other three major North American sports than it is in baseball. So is it important? It's not not important, but I don't think it's the be-all and end-all, you know, to be racing to try and get that second seed versus making sure that you're the healthiest and readiest you are in the playoffs you know so and, and I think especially in a shortened series you know the, that that lines up where you know if you steal one of the first two games on the road you you've got home field advantage so it's not that it's it can shift I, I'm not really all that worried about it it's not something I spend a whole lot of time thinking about for any of these teams
1: Oh, technical difficulties. Uh, We're back. We're back. We're we're good to go. It is hit and run. It will continue, I promise you. We're going to continue our discussion with Mike Farron, who was probably totally confused because I asked him a question. He answered it, and then he probably said, hello, Ranj? Where are you? Uh, Well, we're back, and we're going to do this again (laughs) when we come back in just a moment on 670, the score. Thank you for bearing with us. Um, It is game day for the Bears. Speaking of Bears. So Mark Grody is going to join us later in the show. Right as we get close to noon, Bears obviously will kick off at 720 tonight against the Los Angeles Rams. And so we're going to get you ready for... Well, uh, that, as much as we can, and then we're going to bring you Cubs baseball this afternoon, and then after that, it is the pregame show, uh, which is happening, brought to you by BetRivers, the official app of the Chicago Bears. Download the BetRivers app, and you can bet on the Bears. In fact, they're a a seven-and-a-half-point underdog tonight. Do you think they're going to cover against the Rams? Maybe... We'll get back to talking White Sox baseball with Mike Farron on the score after this.
0: T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today.